Some citizenship rights. Welcome to the 49th Parashakiti at CI, when you go, in the fast running out world year 5783 and Natsuri year 1993. In this episode, I shall be discussing some citizenship rights of the nation whose mighty one is Yahweh, and the people he has chosen for his own, as sung by the psalmist in Psalms 33:12. Again, as the psalmist sings, these rules were not practiced by the nations, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and judgments to Israel. He has done this for no other nation, they do not know his judgments. Hallelujah, Psalms 147,19-20 To the nations, as Haman who decided to employ deceit shows to us, these rules were considered strange and unproductive, then Haman informed King Xerxes, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples of every province of your kingdom. Their laws are different from everyone else's, and they do not obey the king's laws. So, it is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them, Esther 3 8. Unfortunately for Haman who had not heard the song of the psalmist, as he was subsequently hanged for his deceit by the king, and fortunately for us, we may witness as we listen and meditate on the song that the law of Yahweh is perfect. Psalms 19 7-11 The law of Yahweh is perfect, reviving the being, the witness of Yahweh is trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, bringing joy to the heart, the commandments of Yahweh are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is pure, enduring for the age and further, the judgments of Yahweh are true, being altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them indeed your servant is warned, in keeping them is great reward. The rights of a servant not to be humiliated. A servant in the Israelite community had rights granted to them by Yahweh's law. The law recognized them as Israelites once they were assimilated into the congregation of the people of the Mighty One. On this account, servants had to be treated humanely and with dignity and care was taken through the law not to avoid humiliating them. This practice was still applied in the period after Yahashua Messiah had gone up to heaven and is shown to us in the case of one's Imus, a runaway slave in the time of the Roman Empire. Deuteronomy 21,10-14 When you go out to do battle against your enemies and Yahweh your mighty one gives you victory and puts them under your control, and you take them away as captives. If you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you have a desire for her and wish to take her for yourself as a wife, then you will bring her home to your house, she will shave her head and cut her nails. Then she will take off the clothes she was wearing when she was taken captive and she will remain in your house and mourn for her father and her mother a full month. After that you may lie with her and be her husband, and she will be your wife. But if you take no delight in her, then you may let her go where she wishes. But you must not sell her at all for money, and you must not treat her like a slave, because you have humiliated her. Philemon 1,10-19 I appeal to you for my child one's Imus, whose father I became while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending back to you him who is my very heart. I would have liked to keep him with me, so that on your behalf he could minister to me in my chains for the glad tidings. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that your goodness will not be out of compulsion, but by your own free will. 
for perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back for good no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a beloved brother. He is especially beloved to me, but even more so to you, both in person and in the master. So if you consider me a partner, receive him as you would receive me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it not to mention that you owe me your very self. The rights of the firstborn not to be disgraced. The rights of the firstborn is to protect against a loss of inheritance by the firstborn son of a man who has more than one wife. If his wives give birth to sons and for whatever reason he prefers one wife over the other, yet he should give the firstborn's inheritance which is known as the double portion to his firstborn son and avoid putting him to disgrace even if he is the son of the wife he loves less. This rule could be set aside by the father only if there were just grounds as in the case of Ismael and Isaac, sons of Hagar and Sarah with just grounds in Genesis 18,9-10, Romans 9,7, Galatians 4,28, and Reuben and Joseph, sons of Leah and Rachel with just grounds in Genesis 35,22, 49,3-4. Deuteronomy 21,15-17. If a man has two wives, one beloved and the other unloved, and both bear him sons, but the unloved wife has the firstborn son, when that man assigns his inheritance to his sons, he must not appoint the son of the beloved wife as the firstborn over the son of the unloved wife. Instead, he must acknowledge the firstborn, the son of his unloved wife, by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For that son is the first fruit of his father's strength, the right of the firstborn belongs to him. The rights of a wife not to be put to shame. In this episode about Parashakiti at CI, when you go, there are many other finely balanced rules or laws that the Mighty One gave to the people of Israel as members of his own household. However, I shall want to conclude with the rules about taking care that a wife is not ashamed as some people take pleasure in doing. For example, in a fictional work titled The Witcher written by Andrei Sapkowski, Dandelion, a poet, friend, confidant, and regular companion of the mutant Gerald, considers these laws you are hearing about stupid. In a fictional Korean work titled Under the Queen's Umbrella, elaborate plots about how to shame the wives of the emperor as to force them out of favor is a primary motivation. Deuteronomy 22,13-29 Suppose a man marries a woman, has relations with her, and comes to hate her, and he then accuses her of shameful conduct and gives her a bad name, saying, I married this woman and had relations with her, but I discovered she was not a virgin. Then the young woman's father and mother shall bring the proof of her virginity to the city elders at the gate and say to the elders, I gave my daughter in marriage to this man, but he has come to hate her. And now he has accused her of shameful conduct, saying, I discovered that your daughter was not a virgin. But here is the proof of her virginity. And they shall spread out the cloth before the city elders. Then the elders of that city shall take the man and punish him. They are also to fine him a hundred shekels of silver and give them to the young woman's father, because this man has given a virgin of Israel a bad name. And she shall remain his wife, he must not divorce her as long as he lives. If, however, this accusation is true, and no proof of the young woman's virginity can be found, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her city will stone her to death. 
for she has committed an outrage in Israel by being promiscuous in her father's house. So you must purge the evil from among you. If a man is found lying with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. If there is a virgin pledged in marriage to a man, and another man encounters her in the city and sleeps with her, you must take both of them out to the gate of that city and stone them to death the young woman because she did not cry out in the city, and the man because he has violated his neighbor's wife. So you must purge the evil from among you. But if the man encounters a betrothed woman in the open country, and he overpowers her and lies with her, only the man who has done this must die. Do nothing to the young woman, because she has committed no sin worthy of death. This case is just like one in which a man attacks his neighbor and murders him. When he found her in the field, the betrothed woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man encounters a virgin who is not pledged in marriage, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are discovered, then the man who lay with her must pay the young woman's father fifty shekels of silver, and she must become his wife because he has violated her. He must not divorce her as long as he lives. Finally, allow me to draw your attention back to the beginning of this episode in which I said I would be discussing some citizenship rights which the law allows to people who belong to the household of the Mighty One Yahweh. We understand these persons belong to his great house because in the Haft-Ara portion from Isaiah chapter 54, Israel who is to experience the Babylonian exile, is described as the wife of the Mighty One who has suffered shame, disgrace, and humiliation because of her divorce from the Mighty One for her sins. Some of the verses from Isaiah chapter 54 is quoted by the emissary Paul, looking to Sarah, Abraham's wife while she had no child, to show that people from the nations who have believed in the promise of the new covenant through Yahashua as Yahweh's Messiah belong to the household of the Mighty One. The aim of these passages is to show that no matter which nation a person belongs to in this present time, repentance through Yahashua Messiah, and practice of the laws of his and now our father Yahweh, will bring to us the blessings of reconciliation through redemption. Galatians 4:27. For it is written, Rejoice, you barren who don't bear. Break forth and shout, you that don't travail. For more are the children of the desolate than of her who has a husband. Isaiah 54:1-7. Sing, barren, you who didn't bear, break forth into singing, and cry aloud, you who did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says Yahweh. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations, don't spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall spread out on the right hand and on the left, and your seed shall possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Don't be afraid, for you shall not be ashamed, neither be confounded, for you shall not be disappointed, for you shall forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood you shall remember no more. For your maker is your husband, Yahweh of armies is his name, and the consecrated one of Israel is your redeemer, the mighty one of the whole earth shall he be called. For Yahweh has called you as a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even a wife of youth, when she is cast off, says your mighty one. For a small moment have I forsaken you, but with great mercies will I gather you. My name is Orler Laerihati Tamakeah, and by the power of the Spirit of the Mighty One, through Yahashua Messiah sharing with you things about the way of Yahweh which I follow. 
Each episode of the Assembly of Yahweh Natsreya podcast will offer opportunities to learn from the scripture and connect with the original sense and purpose practiced by the earliest followers of Yahashua Messiah since around year 30 in our common era, on the delightsomely beautiful narrow and difficult way, the Sovereign's Highway, that leads to eternal life. Do you want to leave me a comment? I'll love to hear from you. Find and follow me on social media by going to https colon slash slash linktr.ee slash aoen and thank you for listening.